Välkomna tillbaka till Pampodden dag två eh, och eh, vi sitter här i stekande eh, soluppgång höll jag på att säga men solen har gått upp för ett tag sedan eh, och eh, är redo för nästa dag av Pampodden. Hur lägger med dig Elinor? Eh, det är bra. Eh, jag har på mig en av mina finaste huvudbonader idag. Den med fjärilen. Ver- verkligen. Mm. Den har, något har förpuppats och sen blivit den här fjärilen. Det är ju fantastiskt. Ja. Yeah. Eh, vi bör, brukar ju börja nu med det här, en liten tradition här nu på valläger på podden är ju att börja med lite, vad hände igår, har vi något skvaller, är det mm. något som har hänt? Mm. Eh, har du något skvaller eller något? Mm. Jag har ett skvaller från natten faktiskt. Oj, spännande. Nu känner jag att du skulle vilja ha till, ooooh, för publiken. Ooh. Jo, i natt så fick vi information om att folk sov vid klipporna. Det förstår ni ju att vi inte tycker var en bra idé. Så vi skickade dit Securitas. Eh, Securitas kunde sen i walkie rapportera. De sover inte, men de har inga kläder på sig. Du då, har du några skvaller? Nej, men det närmsta, skvall- det närmsta skvallret jag har är att jag eh, gjorde vi, mitt i natten så var jag i Bommersgården och kollade lite hur det gick för lägetidningen. Och då hade tre medlemmar i lägetidningen somnat i kopiatorn och den fjärde stod trött och lite besviken. Och då frågade, vi, frågade jag, vad är det som är problemet? Jo, det har råkat bli så att eh, Riaddo som är eh, chefredaktör kan man säga för lägetidningen. Han har på något sätt lyckats göra, ett, göra så att han har raderat namnet från alla kvinnor som har skrivit texten i, i, i den här tidningen. Så att han var lite besviken på sig själv och, ins- och hade också skrivit en krönika som handlar lite om feminism i eh, själva tidningen. Och insåg att det här kommer inte flyga, jag kommer behöva liksom sitta här och kopiera ganska länge i natt och göra om det här. Ja, precis. Så att, eh, ja, det var lite, lite jobbigt kan man säga. Jag tror ja. det var så att det liksom inte stod några namn på alla ställen där tjejer hade skrivit. Och så stod det bara liksom Riyad och Johans namn. Där det stod texter som de har skrivit. Så det var mm, pinsamt. Så vi får se vad för typ av tidning ni får tag på en dag idag. En, en kvinnocensurerad eller inte. Ja, det, blir, det blir spännande. Det får vi se. Och det verkar vara lite glatt här Jag ska försöka hålla den bra på något sätt. Eh, och sen idag tycker jag känns skitskitspännande. Vi två kör vi igång vid stora scenen. Eh, och tackar till inför att vi ska ut och göra den här gigantiska dörrknackningsinsatsen. Eh, men annars igår så tycker jag det som var tydligt så var det som nästan drog absolut mest. Det var det antirasistiska samtalet med bland annat Mona Salin. Var det någon av er som var där? Uh. Mycket bra. Jag fick rapporter om att applåderna aldrig slutade. Och folk, man fick öppna fönstren och folk stod bakom lokalen för att kunna titta in och få ta del av debatten. Väldigt spännande och väldigt roligt. Mm. Mm. Uh, men nu så sitter ju vi här med en speciellt inbjuden gäst. Kanske den... Nej, nu gör jag inte den gästen som har haft längst resa hit. För det är givetvis några av de andra internationella gästerna. Eh, men ganska mycket skulle... Ja, eller hur? Eller vad tror du? Är han kanske ja. den som har rest längst? Det är bra fråga. Det är liksom lite från olika håll. Men jag ja, tror men det. Lång, för det är lång väg i alla fall. Ja. Ja. Lång resa hit. Men nu är han här. Våran, våran egen... Eh, jag tänkte säga Obama-strateg, men det är ju på något sätt kanske du. Eh, så jag vet inte. Men, men vår alldeles egna eh, SSU-demokrat skulle vi kunna säga. Eller hur? Verkligen. Direkt. Genom en applåd. Hello. Good morning. 
Good morning, Greta. How's everything with you? Excellent, excellent. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Yeah. Did you sleep in a tent? Uh, I did not, which mm. is maybe one of the reasons I'm saying it's so wonderful to be here. Mm. <laughs> but you also have like the shades. Is that to because you're very tired, so you don't want to show your eyes? No, no, it's because <laughs> we're looking directly into the beautiful Swedish sun, and I'd like to be able to see people and not just blurs. Mm. Uh, but you're director, you're uh, like secretary general uh, of uh, the Democratic Party. We in... would just say secretary okay. uh, of the Democratic Party in California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. And what does that mean? What that means is that uh, I'm responsible for some of the uh, internal administration things. Um, and that I'm one of uh, five uh, elected officers in the party that's elected from the Congress every, uh, every four years um, uh, to manage our campaigns and our strategy and our outreach uh, uh, for the for the party in the whole state. And how many people live in the whole state? Uh, just under 40 million. So it's so. four times as big as Sweden. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, roughly the same size geographically. Mm. Mm. So quite big. Yeah. So it's like Sweden, but people live in the northern parts. <laughs> exactly. Although, <laughs> no, but just like Sweden, most people live in the southern part. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. But uh, uh, I think the first question that we are very interested in, you have been living uh, a lot in Scandinavia uh, and in Sweden and in Norway. Uh, why this obsession with Scandinavia? <laughs> obsession is an interesting word. Some people might call it that. Um, well, you know, I, I'm, a, a, I'm a, a progressive. I, I come out of the, the labor movement in the United States. And when I was a student and learning about politics and social movements around the world, of course, when it comes to uh, a political movement and a political party where unions and the labor movement are really at its heart. Um, you really, there's no better examples of that than uh, here in Scandinavia. Um, so the combination between that, the, the politics, the history, the successes of the labor movement in shaping society, um, and a, a kind of interesting, strange set of cultures that were fun to learn about, um, got me interested. So I started, I studied some Norwegian language, uh, uh, history and literature, um, and then as I was getting involved in UZI, I was on the, the board of UZI for many years, uh, I made friendships and connections with uh, leaders of the, the youth organizations here, so um, after I, I felt like I needed to take a little break from American politics after the 2000 election, which was a bit of a heartbreak, um, I, I packed up a bag and called my friends in AUF in Norway and said, hey, you know, can I maybe sleep on some couches and do some work for you? And, and the rest was kind of history. Mm. But let's just go back to parts of this story that I don't really get. Mm. So you were actually taught in school that in Sweden they have this great system? or Yeah, I mean, uh, ta taught in school. And of course, you, you don't, when, you're, when you're studying, you don't only learn the things that you're taught in school. But yeah, there is a general sense in the United States that, um, and, you know, Americans are not that good at geography. So sometimes there's they mix up you know, Switzerland or Sweden or Denmark and the Netherlands. But there's a general sense that uh, in Europe there's a, a society that takes care of people uh, more strongly than we do in the United States, where people have more rights to uh, basic standards of living than we do in the United States. There's a general awareness of that in the U.S. For some people, that's like a, 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 that's like a horror story. It's a nightmare of a lack of freedom. You know, Sweden is the least free country in the world in some people's imagination in the United States. But for someone like me with my values, it was, I was like, hey, that sounds great. You don't want to be free. <laughs> yes, we all hate freedom. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, but then you moved like to Norway and you've mm -hmm. been uh, working also uh, in locally in SSU in what election? Yeah, I worked uh, worked for SSU in Skåne in uh, uh, the 2002 general election, which uh, it, we all remember was a great election. So I'll take credit for that. Thank you. You also told me at the copyright, the slogan you made for SSU Skåne. Oh, yeah. So if I, people remember that the moderate slogan in that, uh, one of their slogans in that election, they had these posters that said something like, Min farmor är red och ut. Ja, min farmor är red och ut. Ja, så, you know, and uh, my grandmother's afraid to go out, oh, crime, immigrants. You know, it was obviously what we call a dog whistle campaign in the United States. You know, you know a, a whistle for a dog that humans can't hear. Uh, but uh, a lot of times uh, the way that racist politics happens is you don't say an explicitly racist thing, but you say something that racists can hear as... I know what they're saying. I know mm. what they're talking about. So that that campaign from the moderates made me really mad. So we did a counter campaign that was min farmer är red för moraten. And um, the uh, and and they and then talked about what the tax cuts were going to do to our grandparents, what the tax cuts were going to do to our schools and to our healthcare system and to our welfare system. And we made the posters look exactly like the moderates with except with the SSU Skona logo, and we put them up uh, all over the place right next to the moderate <laughs> ones. And uh, I think it was a successful campaign. I think young people could relate to it. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe some people said, oh, that's negative campaigning, that's American style. But I, I actually think that it's important for parties to explain to voters not only why they should vote for us, of course, that's the main point of campaigning. But we also have to explain to voters why they shouldn't vote for our opponents. What are the consequences of our opponents winning? And that's what we were trying to do. Mm. So is it fair to say that you are more social democrat than you are democrats? Well, you know, uh, I, I think those, that's a, it's a false dichotomy. Because mm -hmm. in, uh, in the American parties, uh, we, we have, and I often try to explain, people say, how, I don't understand the American political system. How can I understand it? And I think the best way to understand it is that we have two parties that include all of your parties. So if you, the Democratic Party is sort of the, the Social Democrats and the Greens and uh, the more progressive part of Folkpartiet, of the Liberals, together in one big party. Yeah, then, that's something that we kind of talked about maybe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe talk about it again. Uh, and then on the on the right side with the Republicans, you know, they're like Sverigedemokraterna and uh, the moderates and the right wing of, of Folkpartiet all together. So, you know, in the Democrat, being a Democrat. And the Christian Democrat. And the, uh, very much. Mm. And you can imagine it's like as if they were the biggest party. Mm. Um, exactly. Oh, my God. I heard that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's my life. Welcome to my life. Yeah, OK. In Kansas. Oh, had it good. Okay. Well, good for you. Thanks for being there. <laughs> you made us one person stronger. Yeah. Um, uh, there's actually, before getting off the topic a little bit, there's a very good book that I would recommend people trying to get their hands on um, that's called What's the Matter with Kansas? It was written maybe 10 years ago, and it's about how Kansas actually traditionally was a very progressive state. That It was uh, a place where we had a strong 
very uh, progressive populist farmers movement that was critical of the banks and critical of, uh, of the economic system, a strong labor movement, and a very, very strong anti-racist tradition in Kansas. Um, in the Kansas State House, in their parliament, there's a giant mural of a man named John Brown, who uh, was from Kansas, who was a little bit, little bit crazy, but very much a hero uh, in the anti-racist struggle in the United States. He just he hated slavery so much that he and his and his sons just went and broke into an army uh, warehouse and stole a bunch of guns and gave them to slaves and tried to encourage a slave revolt in the United States. Um, and uh, uh, he was, did it work? It did not work. He, he was killed, of course. Hmm. But he was such a hero in Kansas, a like a hero for the state and for the people, that there's a big mural of him in their parliament over their, their uh, you know, all of their political discussions. And it's, it's him with his wild, long hair and a gun in one hand and a Bible in the other hand. And that was, <laughs> that used to be Kansas. And now Kansas is... Uh, bedrock, uh, core state for Republicans. Uh, it's moved to the right on, on all economic issues, social issues. So this book is really asking the questions of how that happened. And the reason I recommend it to you is not just because it's interesting to learn about politics and culture in another country, but because I think we're seeing the same thing in Europe. I think we're seeing the same thing in Sweden, that voters and areas and regions uh, and communities that the left used to be able to count on as part of our coalition have been moving really far to the right very fast. And, um, and I think we all have to figure out uh, the reasons why. Mm. Um, but what was, what was the question before? <laughs> I can't even remember anymore, actually. No, <laughs> just, no, if we were more social Democrat than Democrats. Oh, yeah, no, it's a good question. So, um, so anyway, so being a Democrat in the United States, you, you, you can be... Uh, uh, really influenced and inspired by lots of different ideological traditions. And so, um, so I never feel like I have to choose between my social democratic values and being a good, loyal, strong Democrat. Um, being a Democrat in the United States means that in, in general, you are for more equality and more opportunity and more democracy. It means that you're committed to helping uh, elect other Democrats, even if they're more moderate than you, or even more progressive than you, that we hang together because electing any Democrat in the United States is better than electing any Republican. And a huge part of our job is just keeping those crazy bastards out of office. Mm. Mm. Okay, so um, that's, uh, that's really good. I think we all agree. We also want to keep those bastards out of office and we're doing our best here. Uh, but a question, have you been to a lot of SSU camps? Yeah, th this, is, uh, this is my fourth one. Mm. My, my first election camp was in uh, 1998 in mm. Um and, uh, and then I've been to, I, obviously that's not everyone, but I've been to a majority of them since yeah. then, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So then I think you've been to more camps than many of the listeners here. Well, also because I'm an old bastard. <laughs> yes, because you are really, really, really old. I am. <laughs> yeah, but do you have any good memories from uh, election camps? Um, like maybe when, when electricity came to camps. Yes, I definitely. <laughs> I remember the, the great electricity storm in uh, Homestad? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Oof. That was scary. Um, what do I... Some good memories. I mean, what... Probably a better way to say is uh, maybe some of the things that I've noticed that are the same and things that are different. 
Um, and one thing that's definitely different about SSU from when I first got involved and is that uh, the membership is much more diverse. Uh, that uh, there are a lot more people of different backgrounds, um, different ethnicities than when I started, which I think uh, is a really is a testament to the commitment of this organization to fighting racism and to opening the organization up to everyone. Um, so that's different. Um, what's the same is that I heard that on the first night of the election camp, there was a, a midnight study session on Marxist theory mm -hmm. uh, in the Skona delegation. And that made me feel a little more reassured as an old guy that some things never change <laughs> um, uh, and that you can count on certain things. So uh, a lot of things in the culture of the organization um, have gotten better. It's a lot, there's a lot more focus on fighting the real enemy and less focus on fighting each other. Um, which is a good thing, but that commitment to being serious about politics, to you know, be committed enough to talk about theory in the middle of the night, is still there, and that's wonderful. So, would you think that this maybe is even the best of the camps you've been to? Oh, for sure, absolutely, wow. mm -hmm. absolutely. Do you think so too? <laughs> <laughs> but I think also it's it's interesting because you are kind of updated in Swedish. Uh, politics. I try. Uh, you try. Uh, uh, and what do you think? What What is the biggest differences or what is the biggest, uh, what is the same in American and Swedish policy, politics? Well, um, I mean, the biggest differences are in, uh, you know, come from the, the, the just different way we hold elections. Um, and in the United States, every election is for uh, an individual candidate. You vote for an individual candidate. And in many, many elections, most of our local elections and even some of our state and national elections, uh, the, the party affiliation, the party membership of the candidate isn't even on the ballot. You, you just vote for names. So the driving force of the campaigns are the campaigns of the individual candidates. And the party plays a role of coordinating that, of uh, sort of um, doing a... Um, a sort of top-level campaign to bring them all together. Uh, and, and here, obviously, it's the opposite, right? The driving force is the party, and some candidates have a bit of an in, uh, individual campaign. But because of that, that, that has, uh, you know, leads to a lot of differences. Um, and uh, that, are, that I think makes Swedish democracy, I, I think, a little stronger than American democracy, because the, the elections are, if you can forgive, this sounds a little stupid to say, but... Politics is more political here, um, that the issues and the values of the parties drive the discussion and the debate, uh, and less you have less of a discussion and a debate about personalities. And, um, you know, you, people probably remember uh, in the, when, when Bush was running against Kerry, um, and uh, th there was all these polls that came out that said that uh, Americans d decided that George Bush was someone that they would prefer to go for a beer with yeah. over John Kerry, and that that was an advantage for Bush. And I think that's really a stupid way to think about who to vote for. Um, there are lots of politicians that I want to see in office that I would never have a beer with, <laughs> and vice versa. There might be politicians that seem like me, seem like decent people, but their policies are bad, you know. And that's what politics should be about. So you know, those are some of the of the key differences. Um, but similarities, um, you know, one similarity is that our voting base uh, 
are not the most reliable voters. And that's true of the center-left and progressive parties here, right? That um, the, the conservatives can really take for granted that their most supportive voters, their strongest supporters, will come and vote. And we can't take that for granted. And that's the same in the United States as it is in Sweden. If, if I can just also do a short reflection, like um, I think that the policy in America has a big, big focus on the middle class and the middle class is almost uh, the same thing uh, as the working class or well, it's forbidden to talk about the working class. So you have to talk about the middle class when you That's talk about uh, people in some way in, in need. Uh, and I, I can see kind of that transfer uh, on our uh, on our scale as well uh, that we tend to focus more on the middle class and try to win the middle class because we say like yeah okay so if it's divided into three then of course the, the moderates they already have their base in those in the upper class and we already have the working class so the big competition is in the middle and for the middle class voters uh, and I don't know if that is true or if it is a wise strategy mm. because it gets very crowded in the middle and I don't know if it only does good things to our party. No, I, I think that that's an excellent point. And, and it, is, it is a problem and, and you've, you, you, I think you put it perfectly that um, it's hard in the United States because of our socialist phobia, you could say. Um, it's hard to talk about class. Um, the, the, uh, and, and I'd say it's analogous here or there's a similarity here that I think that even the left in Scandinavia has trouble really talking about race. You talk about racism and are against racism, but even admitting that people are different races is uncomfortable. And it's similar in the United States. We don't want to admit that people are of different classes. Just everybody's in the middle class. And that makes it difficult for us to have really good, important conversations about what's really happening in the economy. Um, and I think that you can have this, starting to have the same problem. And so it's not only a, a, a competition, everybody, you know, trying to crowd together in the center ideologically, but also socially and in terms of which voters to go after. And there's a real danger in taking working class voters for granted. I mean, we're seeing that. They have other options and they're using those other options. Um, so if we're not there giving them a reason, again, to vote with us, we will lose them. And that's a, a really serious problem. This thing you you're now mentioning with race or about race and that's that is kind of well a bit uncomfortable yeah. for for us. That's really uh, that's really interesting because uh, when uh, when that is debated in some way in in Sweden, um, you know everyone says there's only one race and that's human and and that's true of course. But looking at uh, American policy, then it's very much I don't know outspoken like you are hispanic and you are afro-american or you are this and you're that uh, is that only a good thing is it a way also to see structures what do you think that we are lacking when we don't debate that or is it better not to no i i think uh just as you said it, it it's it's only when we admit that even though race is a is totally a fiction it's as I'm trained as a sociologist, so forgive me if I use stupid academic terms, right? But race is socially constructed. I mean, you look at me, right? Um, uh, my my father is black from Jamaica. My mother is 
Irish and German, a sort of typical mixed white person in, in America from the Midwest. And, uh, and I look very ambiguous or um, uh, I'm just sort of generically not white. Um, and so people think I have lots of different backgrounds, which is fine. But, uh, but in, in the United States context, I'm definitely not white. Whereas when I visited my family and or visited Jamaica, um, and I was told by people I, that I should be very careful walking around as a white man in Jamaica alone. And I was like, hey, who are you talking to? But in the Jamaican context, in their racial structures, I'm a white person, right? So obviously it's not biological and all this stupid Nazi science of head shape and everything to define the races is dumb. And it's not real. But just because it's socially constructed doesn't mean that it doesn't have a really big impact on how people actually live. And if you look at the world, it's just, you can't look at the world and say that it's just a coincidence. It's just happenstance. It's just an accident that darker skinned people live harder lives in the world than white people do. And that's because even if it is a fiction, it is a very important fiction. I mean, it's just like gender. Gender is a social construction as well. But it would be weird to not talk about men and women and the different experiences that men and women have in society. So I think that the benefit of having people talk about identity in a very clear way is that you're able to see those structures so that we can actually dismantle them. We can actually tear them down. We have to admit that they're there in order to go and tear them down. If we just close our eyes and pretend that they go away, they're not going to go away by accident. And that's why in the U.S., it's the most conservative forces. It's conservatives who talk about being race blind. It's conservatives. People, how many people here watch The Colbert Show? It's a great show. It, it's very good and actually very educational about American society and American politics. And one of his long-standing jokes that he always tells is he always says, oh, I don't see race. You know, he's like, I, I don't even know what race you are. And he's doing that to make fun of this conservative uh, uh, idea in the United States that, um, that it's racist to even mention race. Mm. So maybe we have something to learn here. Mm. Yeah, maybe. At least debate, at least yeah. discuss. You know, every, every culture has its different attitudes towards these things, and I, I'm not here to say that the American way of dealing with anything is necessarily the best, but simply that one difference that I notice and that I think does hold the movement back mm -hmm. here a little bit is that uh, discomfort with admitting that people are black, mm -hmm. people are brown, <laughs> you know, people are Asian, it, and it's okay. Yeah, uh, maybe we have a lot of a lot to learn, and maybe we have some progress. I think maybe we don't use the word race, but I think in the last year's debate, maybe we talked about it in some ways. Absolutely, a bit more. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, I also have a question, because uh, we, as Swedes, we follow a lot of American politics and, of course, consume a lot of American popular culture. Uh, but what uh, does the typical American or Californian guy know about uh, Sweden? Well, Slash Switzerland. Slash, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Heidi? Something about Heidi? <laughs> um, no, it, it, it is, uh, uh, again just one of these glaring obvious things about uh, Americans is this lack of knowledge of geography, which is really, it, it, it really is a striking thing. Um, but the, 
you know, as I said, there's a general understanding that in Sweden there's uh, a strong welfare state that uh, the government takes takes care of people or at least um, respects the right to a, a basic and a decent standard of living. Um, and then, you know, from there, then it's like all the kind of same cultural stereotypes that, that Swedes face in, in Europe, right? Um, everybody's naked, everybody's having sex all the time, everybody's blonde, everyone's really liberal in their attitudes about everything. Um, but then also, strangely, like this sort of combination of being very, like, open and, and, and liberated in attitudes, but, but at the same time quite uptight, you know, yeah. not able to, like, really loosen up. So, you know, everyone goes to the sauna and is naked and then everybody goes and has a big orgy and then everybody, you know, everybody does it in this organized way. Um, <laughs> Down by the rocks, we learned yesterday. Down, oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe some stereotypes are not are based in, at least a little bit, um, in fact. But uh, so, you know, the, those, I think the stereotypes are definitely about the way that people look, that everybody's blonde, um, that there's this uh, liberal, uh, you know, notion of sexuality, um, uh, but but also at the same time a, a little bit with a stick up their butts. I think that's the that's the general stereotype. Naked blondes with something's up our. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, perfect. Um, nice, nice view or nice. Um, yeah. It could be worse. It could. It could, it could, it could really be worse. I, I'm kind. Are you satisfied with that? I'm, I'm satisfied with idea. that answer. Uh, I have. Uh, no, but I mean, are you satisfied with that? I like, think it's kind of not a bad thing. It could be worse. Yes. Yeah, it's Do you okay. go around naked a lot? Uh, sometimes at home. Uh, okay. It's something... I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But, but I have this issue because sometimes if my neighbor is out on the balcony, mm. she sits like right in my... Uh, apartment. Package. So you can yeah. make a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she sits right in my... So yeah, we can't even look her uh, ours, uh, in. I can't look her in her eyes when I meet her. When you're naked. No, <laughs> not then either. No. Okay. Yeah. 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 Then we get get to learn some more things about you. That was well. nice. Are you naked a lot? Um, certainly when I shower, I'm yeah. naked. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it must be an American thing. It is. It is. <laughs> We're only naked at the rocks. At the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I have I have one more uh, question about the American uh, politics because we have a lot of uh, tradition of singing mm. and a lot of political songs. Do you have any political songs? Yeah, you know, it, it's something that we've we've actually lost. Um, it used to be, I mean, in general, in American culture, people sang more, um, and that I think that that's you know gone gone away a lot just because of you know the passive consumption of media, you know. Uh, because people would sing for entertainment. It was a common thing. The family would get together around a piano or guitar and sing songs, just like here. And I think it's persisted. In, it, it still exists as a strong thing in Swedish culture much more than in the U.S. Um, and so, you know, like we don't end our big party gatherings with a song. We don't have that. They don't even do that anymore in the labor movement, which is sad and also really? something they used to do. So you don't have like struggle songs anymore. No, no, that, uh, that's we have the songs. The songs are there, um, but people don't sing them anymore. Um, oh. uh, and all of our movements have produced, you know, a tremendous, tremendous, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, collection of of songs of struggle songs. Uh, many of which, obviously, you sing here. I mean, uh, people probably know the song about Joe Hill. 
Yeah, right? Mm. That's an American song about a Swedish American. From my hometown. Exactly. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, and then, of course, the songs produced by the, uh, by the civil rights movement are tremendous. Uh, we Shall Overcome and um, uh, uh, Pete Seeger's songs, right? Pete Seeger, who just passed away. Yeah. You probably know and sing many of his songs and maybe only half aware that they're his songs, but, um, but he had a tremendous impact on our, on our culture and, um, and was a very, very committed leftist, um, was in the communist party for many years and then left it when it kind of became obvious that that was not such a good thing when Soviet tanks were rolling into Czechoslovakia, et cetera, but remained, you know, a committed progressive, committed radical, um, his whole life. And, had a big impact on American culture. All American kids grow up singing his songs. So there's something, it's almost like the problem that we have with soccer or football. That like everybody sings songs as a kid. And then at a certain point in their life, they stop singing songs. Just like everybody plays soccer as a kid. And then at a certain point, only some people continue. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's also the same reason because I think people stop playing soccer because only the ones that are good at it can continue or like the the coaches want the best to mm -hmm. to play and maybe that's the same thing with singing like at some point it's not okay to be just bad at singing yeah, and be like well oh, oh, oh. then you then yeah. you have to um you know get your get your i don't know how you say tones or notes right you have yeah. to to sing to be perfect yeah but we can't get a uh, small preview of American. Yes, can we? Can we have political can song? Can we hear something? Mm, I'm gonna have to take a pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay. I'm starting to see animals. You do like <laughs> Okay. Mm? Um. Um. How much? How much Swedish do you actually understand? How much? Um. Uh, if somebody, if people are talking about simple things, I can generally follow the conversation. So if Vida now says a sentence, we can see if you get it. Okay. Okay. Uh, will you have a little, little more coffee, Eleanor? Oh, mm. very good. Mm. Mm. Now you try. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. 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 Have you showered today, Vidar? Mm. Yeah, you're, you're very good. No, I haven't. Okay, now you have to do it more, okay. more harder, harder. Okay, harder. Uh, vi hade problem med ljudkortet uh, innan, så vi kan inte spela in podcasten. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to say what I think you said. <laughs> you had a problem with something, so you can't play inside, but I didn't know what the something was. That's fun because you think it's play inside, but oh, it's no. actually record. Spela oh. in. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, no, we had some problem with the uh, yeah the recording system. Okay. So okay. it was just a technical technical yeah. word. Good. Okay. Mm. Um, mm. I didn't realize that there was going to be a sprog test. <laughs> no, we, we did, this we... is folk party. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we can. Do you think he he passed? I don't think so. No, he has to go home. <laughs> yeah, you have they to don't. go home to where you came from. Yeah. Um, but we're getting uh, we're getting to to the end. Mm. Uh, I I I have one uh, last question. Maybe Eleanor has one as well. Mm. Uh, because uh, yesterday you had a talk here about uh, organization and uh, how we should uh, win uh, elections. And I thought maybe those who weren't there, what was your main 
uh, talking point. But what's the main uh, point? Message. The main message is you got you have to talk to voters. You you've got to go out and actually talk to voters. That our our parties in general around the world, progressive parties, have become uh, way too disconnected from people, and uh, and we shouldn't think about door knocking and phone banking and call centers as some new marketing capitalist thing from America. It's really returning us to the way that we've built these parties in the first place, which was going and talking to our neighbors about politics and things that were important to them. So you're, you're going to be, you're going to win this election at the doors. I'm very, very convinced of that. Um, and then, you know, the other thing we talked about was the fact that it, in the United States, we have far more access to, we're allowed to uh, collect more information from people um, and, and use that and build that over time and build that into our databases. And, uh, you know, some of the, the work as a political consultant that I've been doing uh, in Europe has been to try to figure out how we can uh, work within the, the, the legal structure in Sweden and Germany and the EU, EU in general um, to, to get there a little more because it's a, it's just a tremendous missed opportunity that you're not able to build, uh, um, that, that you're, the data that you work with, the data that you work with, the information is very broad and uh, general instead of specific and about people. And we need to figure out, I think, how to do that. So those were some of the things that we talked about. Mm. And everyone gets a chance to hear you again uh, today at the main stage, right? Yeah, for a short while. For a short while, you will do a short rally very short mm -hmm. uh, a baby rally uh, okay but I have uh, one last question then um, if you now had to to bet some money on who will be the, uh, the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee um, and then who will actually be president uh, who would you say because we think this is kind of interesting to hear from a bit of a more inside perspective well uh, I should I should give the disclaimer first that uh, in 2008, um, I, I didn't support the uh, the first viable uh, African-American candidate, and I didn't support the first really viable female candidate. I actually supported this white guy named John Edwards. So maybe I'm not the best picker. Um, and I supported him because he was running uh, the most explicitly uh, really as a social democrat and running uh, uh, alongside the labor movement and talking about economic inequality, um, which, you know, the, our president is talking about a bit now and we're having a debate in society about it now, but obviously it's been going on for a long time and, uh, and I was really impressed with that. And not only did John Edwards not do very well uh, in, in the campaign, but it turned out that all the time that he was campaigning alongside his wife, a wonderful, wonderful woman um, who was struggling with cancer at the time, and they were always campaigning together. But all that time, he had a girlfriend who was the videographer of the campaign um, that he was sleeping with, who then he paid to come to go to my town, Santa Barbara, and hide out and have his baby. Um, and this was all going on during the campaign. And this is the guy you supported? Exactly. <laughs> So, so everything that I say about what I, who I think is going to win, you should have in the back of your head, yeah, but clearly this guy is kind of an idiot. Um, but I, I think that the smart money, I think the smartest bet on the Democratic side is very much Hillary Clinton. Um, I think that the, the, um, 
I, As you I, can see, we're ready for Hillary. It seems so. Um, and I think that the the uh, that it's the the nomination, uh, uh, the primary is really hers to lose. Um, uh, I, I think that probably some other people will will run, um, but I, it will be more to kind of give themselves, be, put themselves in a good position to ask for to be the vice presidential nominee or to get a position in the cabinet, things like that. I think Hillary will be extremely, extremely difficult to beat on the Democratic side. She has the most organization, the most name recognition, um, and there's most a whole, money. the most money, um, which is very important. Um, uh, and then on the Republican side, I re it's a total fucking circus. I really, it's just, they're, what's going on in their party right now is really amazing. Um, you know, they, they, we, just to, to give an example, we, we, we have a refugee crisis going on in the United States right now. Um, there's about 50,000 unaccompanied children from Central America who are in the United States right now, and the government is trying to figure out what to do with them, how to process them, how to treat them fairly, what to do with them. And the Republican base is just, has lost their minds about this. They talk about it as an invasion. And all, almost all of the leading candidates for the Republican nomination have gone to the border with Mexico and are posing with guns, posing for pictures with guns, swearing that they will protect America from children and this invasion of children. So, and, and that's what you have to do to be the Republican nominee now. So, um, so that's just a, it's just a shit show over there. I have no idea who it will, who their nominee will be, um, but it will be somebody crazy. That's what I can predict. And in terms of how the election will turn out, um, you know, again, I, I think I think Clinton has a, a real shot at it. I think that um, it would be a, a pretty legitimate bet to win that she to, to bet that she would win. But we've got a long ways to go. A lot could happen. Um, and I love my party, but we're very good at, uh, as we say, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, we've done it many times in our history. Uh, so you never know. Yeah. Okay. If you were to bet, then maybe Mitt Romney again. <laughs> the, 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 or 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 the Bush brother. Yeah, the, those been, are both been, very Bush, possible. Yeah, I've been following Bush on Instagram. He's kind of uh, why do you do that? Yeah, but it's he, he's <laughs> fine. I can recommend George W. Bush on Instagram. Does oh, he, George do, W. I thought you Bush. No, not Jeb no. Bush. So does he does he put his paintings up on the Instagram? Yeah, so not very much paintings. A lot of family pictures. Okay. We're happy here. We're happy here. We're happy here. Uh, yeah. I actually saw that he met Princess Madeline. Oh. Mm -hmm. Did she have a shower after? <laughs> I think so. Well, of course, with her clothes on. Right, right. Yeah. 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 The Swedish yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So she met and she's a princess, so you know she doesn't poop or anything. No, no. I think this Maybe is the time. Dust. I think mm. this is the time to uh, decide. Wrap this up. Yeah, wrap this up. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for being here, Doraka. It's a pleasure, absolutely yeah. an honor. I think we're giving a big applause. And have a really great day. Don't forget to drink a lot of water. And see you by the stage at, at two, two o'clock. Woo. That was funny. It's too bad we didn't record it. I think maybe we recorded it. I think that's why this is here. Maybe oh, okay. the sound is worse, but I Oh think yeah, it looks is. like it is recording. Yeah. Perfect. So, uh, Vida, can you stop by yeah. spelling? Yeah. Good. Good. You liked it? Yeah. Yeah.